0: Blog Talk
1: Radio. Good morning, Blog Talk. Listen, this is Tom Hayes in Boston, Boston, Siberia, freezing, <laughs> unbelievable, ninety inches record. Oh, ladies, what uh, i' have a. Let me read how I describe the show. I am really honored. We've been trying to do this for a long, long time, and as everybody knows, when the time is right, everything will. Happened So I wrote my description as this, Tom invites metaphysicians and energy healers Debbie Toomey and Rebecca Tripp to speak about their latest projects. Debbie Lynn Toomey has created a gratitude-centric program for elementary school children, and Rebecca speaks more about her book, The Secrets of a Metaphysical Flight Attendant. Together they will discuss the growing profession of professional coaches. I feel like Charlie Rose. Didn't I sound like Charlie there a
2: little bit? <laughs> you sound Come on, very encourage me, good. Ladies. Wow. <laughs> Very impressed. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs>
1: well, I, you know, we've tried and tried and tried to do this uh, in person, and because of both of your both schedules, heavy schedules, we weren't able to do that. So the other day I said, wow, nobody's going anywhere with this snow, so why don't we do it um, a way that we can share the meeting with so many people, because both of you have so many beautiful things to say. I just want to set it up a little bit for the listeners how I met both of you individually. Uh, Debbie, I met you uh, when we were speaking for, was it was at Sturdy Hospital that, that yes. day?
2: Yep, it was. Yeah, yeah. and
1: I was, uh, right, just delivering my usual rah-rah. It was a uh, cancer group, cancer survivors group. Mm-hmm. And you were there doing your, uh, how do you, what's the correct term, laughter yoga?
2: Yep, I did, yeah. I did a laughter yoga session. Yeah, and well, you were
1: wonderful because without you that day, I think I would have been in big trouble because you certainly warmed the audience <laughs> up. Yeah. So, yeah. And then I met, uh, of course, I met Rebecca years ago when I took Silver Mind Training, and that was a fabulous weekend. It was, uh, what, two days, Rebecca? We spent Two days. Two we met
0: in Providence. Days. Right.
1: Yeah, and... Uh, Really great experience, and you know some of the things we're going to touch on today because we're dealing with spirituality and metaphysics. A lot of other things are going to just kind of jump in. And one of the things that was I thought was fascinating about civil mind control was the ESP part. And some of the individuals, uh, one of our friends in particular, Joe, I'll just keep it to his first name, just uh, had an amazing ability to uh, be clairvoyant. So that was really exciting.
0: You turned out very psychic,
1: yes. Yeah, and, and, well, you know, the thing that I think underlies, as I said in the the description of the show, is that both of you are healers. Um, you know, uh, Debbie, you had, um, you know, through laughter, you you know have the healing powers, and you're a nurse.
2: Right, yep. Yeah,
1: so yep. why don't you tell us a little bit about how all the things that you've acquired spiritually helped you in your, you know, practice of medicine.
2: Well, okay, cool. Thank you. Uh, I've always, ever since I was a little girl, I've always valued uh, helping people or making them feel better. And that translated into me really tuning into many different ways, alternative and as well as Western-type modalities or ways to help people feel better. And I went into nursing school. Uh, I didn't want to become a doctor because I felt... You know that took too much time, and I liked my sleep, so I didn't want to do the night shift uh, <laughs> as well. And me I said I wanted I to just, <laughs> I wanted to just learn what it took for me to help people as soon as I could. So that I went into nursing. But working as a nurse, I work as a nurse at Tufts Medical Center in Boston. I've been there since '88, uh, so I pretty much grew up there, uh, and felt that nursing gave me the leverage to be able to really start seeing how people are um, when they're sick and how, how their personalities, their strengths can really help them uh, recuperate so much quicker and how their weaknesses, if they really focus on that, can make their recovery so much longer. And I knew that, you know, being in a Boston hospital, we have the, the latest technologies, really. And even with that available to the patients, it was it wouldn't be enough. So I knew there was something else, and I felt that there, that's where the complementary alternative side would really be so much better, or not better, but it would be a good way for other people to learn more about it and to experience it. And that's when I started really um going into the path of Reiki, um uh, homeopathy. I've studied homeopathy for four years, herbals, crystals. Um so I went from the the energetics vibration to nature spirits to uh, intuitive work. so i I wanted to really learn everything, all aspects of what it takes to really be in front of somebody. And be able to deliver something that can give them the whole picture, their whole being. A holistic approach is what I say, what I call it, a holistic approach. So I use my nursing, as well as my intuitive background, as well as other different things when I'm in front of somebody, and just kind of, you know, making myself or available to whatever it is that the patient is able to receive at that moment.
1: Boy, that must have been a bold move because, you know, uh, one of the things Rebecca and I talk about all the time is how conventional medicine, conventional society uh, Mm -hmm. looks, you know, with such skepticism. So kudos to you. That's pretty – did you find a lot of resistance?
2: Uh, There's a lot of people who said, oh, yeah, that's a good idea, that's nice. But, you know, yes, I am still meeting resistance in just that – it, the programs like the Prepare for Surgery Heal Faster and uh, Reiki program or different programs that I'm trying to uh, establish in, at the hospital, it's just not getting that much traction. But what is getting traction is the fact that, hey, Debbie Lentumi, a nurse, she's the go-to person now if you want to know about laughter yoga, if you want to know about stress management, if you want to know about alternative ways to help people feel better, positive psychology, gratitude, all these different things. So in that respect, people are, um, you know, recognizing my name as somebody that they could use to speak at symposiums and retreats and and whatnot.
1: Fabulous. Well, you know, uh, Rebecca's story, since it's the first time I feel like I'm, you know, we're using this platform to introduce each other. But Rebecca, her story was, it's just amazing. Not only did was she great at teaching the technique of uh, silver meditation and all of the you know the ESP and all of the other uh, offshoots, the tendrils from that, but she uh, her story is amazing. And I'm not going to spoil. it. I'm going to let you tell it, Rebecca, how you came into healing and how you are okay. a spiritual healer.
0: Okay. Well, I commend you, Debbie, for working in that environment and doing what you're doing. I think that's absolutely wonderful. Um, You're a pioneer (laughs) working away there. But uh, my story started uh, when I first started flying in 1967 as a stewardess for United Airlines. Um, As soon as I started flying out of Chicago, I met my first metaphysical teacher who taught me the art of creative visualization. And um, I was so enraptured by what he told me, and it was so effective that I've been on the path ever since. And um, along the way, I've studied many, many things, including the silver techniques, which I love to teach, which involve creative visualization, um, remote viewing, spiritual healing. I'm also um, a a strong believer in the works of Mary Baker Eddy, who studied the Bible, and I, I believe that Jesus, when he said, you're going to be able to do the same things I do and even more, he meant what he was talking about. And um, I totally believe that the supernatural is very natural. and um, uh, But I'm also very aware of the fact that um, until the switch goes on, it's difficult to comprehend that we can do some of these amazing things. But we can. And so I wrote a book called Secrets of a Metaphysical Flight Attendant, which came out a year ago. And um, I love to go out and talk to people and talk to groups and share some of the stories in there. I was actually diagnosed with um, early cancer in my mid-20s, and that was when I really had to deal with my greatest fear coming upon me because that was my greatest fear. And I, then I had to kind of put my money where my mouth was and not just intellectualize all these metaphysical truths that i had been studying, but I had to find an answer. And I did. I surrendered. I handed it over to the divine, and I had an instantaneous healing with the help of um, a woman who was, who was a healer. And it was so profound and so life-changing that um, I actually was never afraid of my body again, even though sometimes things happen, but it, they're always kind of dissolve into nothingness. Mm-hmm. So that was a really good experience for me and a, and sort of, a, a you know, one of those landmark experiences. So I have been on the path now for over 40 years and, um, I just love metaphysics. I love teaching it i'm I have a um program coming out within the next couple of weeks called the Abundance Attractor and um and you'll be able to sign up for a course called the Abundance X Factor If you go to my website, you'll be able to find it but um, this is a video series that I just produced with a friend of mine who is also also became a silver trainer after he took my workshop in Massachusetts. Years ago, so we've stayed in touch too, and that's my story. Oh, yeah, and
1: it's a it's a great. Both of you um, have great stories. You know, two things come to mind, and I think you know, you know, we're all. uh, I feel gifted and blessed. That I, I feel that every single day that I was exposed to the teachings and you know when I tell people that I'm a 55 year survivor of uh, cancer and it was, and Debbie will understand the significance of osteosarcoma 55 Mm -hmm. years ago there was no chemotherapy the the survival rate was uh, 5% or so Um, so you know if 100 kids got it, 95 died so I'm one of the lucky five uh, so many years later and knock on wood without any recurrence and so I was you know, able to understand, you know, if people said to me, you know, what do you think? You, I, you know, and I have to be honest, I don't have a clue how I am so blessed, but I do know that I just never hung on to it. I just, okay, you know, I had it, it's done, it's gone, move on. And um, so that I think that mental attitude with all of the things that you get ladies are trying to teach about gratitude and living in the moment and, and believing in something higher than yourself, that there is a purpose and a reason, reason uh, and one thing I, I do want to get this up. I remember watching one of the uh, more forward TV programs it in the seventies, and I forget the, the actual program name. And but the content was always about something esoteric. And one of the things they found was that when they started to use conventional medicine on the uh, Mexican immigrants or the Latin American immigrants, that um, the, the traditional ways, if they applied a certain technique or a certain prescription or a certain therapy, that it didn't work. And the mm. only way they could get it to work was to bring in the medicine man, the you know the conventional um, you know wise man, medicine man. And when they brought, when they worked in conjunction with the medicine that the uh, Latin Americans and the Native Americans understood, then it would be effective. And I just want to throw this one out, and I'll let both of you comment on it. I just watched the uh, Being Half Italian and Loving My Italian Heritage and All the Food. I watched the Italian Americans on PBS, and there's a town in, I found it fascinating, in Pennsylvania, Rosetta, that 40 years ago or so, when it was predominantly Italian, and there was all of the strong traditional family. Uh, values and family ties and connections they had the lowest um, uh, incidence of heart attacks and heart disease in the country and now, since that 's all gone, the way of everything modern and there aren 't you know there isn 't that allegiance to the family, the Sunday dinners, that cohesiveness, they have one of the highest so mm-hmm. without, i mean i don 't know how people can can doubt the effects external effects that you're talking about Debbie and that you know about Rebecca uh toward mm-hmm. healing so if mm-hmm. either one of you let both either one of you jump in on that one
2: mm. I'd say um what really impacts uh healing is the the belief of the person that's going to be healed that the person who's going to be healing them knows what they're doing it's the trust. Yep. You know, there's a lot exactly. of um, a lot of studies with the placebo effect, and you know, you could there's like one study where uh, they gave a group of people uh, a placebo, and those people were told that this placebo actually is not a placebo; it's uh, a medication that's going to uh, make your hair fall out. So. And after a week, after a few days, after a few weeks of taking this placebo, which really is just sugar pill, these people their hair fell out. So it it's that's how powerful our belief system is. If you believe that the person, your healer, your doctor, your you know your therapist, is not going to, and they may be the the leading doctor, therapist, professional in the world, but if you yourself believe that this person does not know what they're doing, they don't know me, they don't understand my culture, my belief system, then the therapy, the the healing will not occur. There will be resistance there. But (laughs) if the person was to, and I'm kind of addressing the the story you were just telling us, if the person was to bring in a medicine person uh, who is not known all over the world, but this medicine person is known in the community or understands the culture. Then the person that's being healed, who needs the healing, will be so open and receptive to whatever is available from that person and from the high, their highest and best beliefs. And knowing that you know I'm going to be cured, I'm going to live. This is this will pass. So our beliefs exactly. really really help. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, oh, I want to totally. ask Rebecca when she went in. Now, here you are in your twenties, Rebecca. and You've got cancer, right. and it, yeah. they're telling you that you, if you don't have it operated, you're going to die. And then you decide to uh, put a, pull all the eggs in one basket to truly take the leap of faith. Uh, what was your bond with the, well, the spiritual you healer? I mean, um, because I
0: had already been. To, the art of creative visualization, meaning I could see um, already, I I was exposed to that when I was 21 years old, and I started practicing it, and I could see that the way I thought definitely drew things into my life, my experience, um, negative or positive, depending on what I was thinking about, uh, because I would use creative visualization all the time to um, do things. But I couldn't figure out how can that affect every cell in my body and change what is considered a dire diagnosis. But I met a man who had been healed of a brain tumor through spiritual healing. And he was so happy and so radiant and so honest and truthful about it, I said to myself, well, if it can happen for him and it can happen for how many other people have experienced this, why not me? I was totally receptive to the idea that there must be a way that you can be healed without medical intervention if you so choose. And so I went to this woman um, who was a healer, and it was when she said to me, you're a perfect child of God and perfect health is your birthright. I literally went back to my birth, (laughs) and I could see where I came out as as a baby that really didn't have any kind of negative condition going on in her body. So, of course, it was my birthright. And the only thing that had created this negative situation was my thought. And I could directly connect it to an experience I was having in my life. I could see where something that I was doing was directly causing this problem. And because I created it, I could uncreate it with my belief. And it was just a total shift in my consciousness. Mm -hmm. And it was a very spiritual awakening because... Everything shifted. Not only did my body change, but everywhere I went for a year, everything looked absolutely beautiful, trees, people, animals. It was like I was living in a different vibration. And I believe that vibration is always here. We call it the kingdom of heaven. But we need to awaken to it. And sometimes it takes a terrible uh, situation to wake us up. And that's what happened.
1: Mm-hmm. That's good. So do, did you feel... so? By her words, you felt this connection, this trust, this uh, that she could, you know, you, you, as well, you see, said, I you surrendered. Trusted
0: her. I trusted her because right. I knew she was a healer. And the way she explained to me that I was a perfect child of God was a very loving thing to say to me. No one had really ever said anything quite that loving, coming from an unconditional loving place. With no judgment, I was perfect in her eyes. And that heals me, it's that christ consciousness it's that it's that unconditional love that um does did the healing,
2: yeah. and that was it,
1: debbie, you want to jump on that
2: oh i just i love it <laughs> it's, that's, that's beautiful that's beautiful i I totally agree i totally you know the the saying thought becomes things right uh, our mind is just so powerful and You know, I'll, just from studies, you know, us being human beings, we tend to focus on the negative, and we let that ruminate and ruminate, and we cultivate that negativity until that thought becomes manifested into a formed um, thing. It could manifest as, what, aches and pains in our body. It could manifest as um, us uh, getting into accidents because our mind is not focused uh, because it's distracted, it can manifest as cancer. So mm-hmm. thought becomes things, and it's that very thought. When you do reframe or when you create that shift and somebody you know who comes along that you trust is a healer and gives you that, you know, that um, they validate who you are and they see your beauty and your truth, in that space, there's healing. And then everything else that the person has to say becomes the beginning of your healing process. You being told that you are a beautiful being, that you're a child of God, and you're perfect. That That's beautiful. That's exactly mm-hmm. what you needed to hear at that moment to allow the floodgates of this healing emotion to come in and to raise your vibration and to shift your perspective in life. And in that moment, you are able to use the power of your thought, the same one that created that, Mass or whatever you know the 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 precancerous mm-hmm. condition, you were able to use that same power in reverse, and you were able to take care of it. That is right. amazing. That's beautiful.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: that was really Love great. it. You know, and mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, I, I wanted uh, ultimately to get to um, to the topic of to- coaching, which is one of the reasons that we were trying to get together. And boy, I just found the perfect segue here <laughs> because i knew it would happen i just didn't know how uh, one we're of the just things for me that to uh, one of the things that rebecca and i uh, uh we talk a lot and we share a you know a, a wonderful path together and we're both uh, uh aspiring to get our messages out and share and etc and we talk a lot about trust right rebecca Right, we do, yeah. Yeah, and I'll, let me, I'll just, um, a, a, a great story, a fabulous story that I think is really essential to when we talk about trust, because obviously, you know, because both of you are coaches, you know, life coaches and healing coaches and abundance coaches, um, you have to, like in any Aww. transaction, there has to be a huge amount of trust, and I, um, you know, I've, I've discovered something about trust versus faith that I like to, a distinction that I like to talk about, but I had to do um, a lecture years ago for uh, a keynote address, the first thing in the morning, the most important, you know, uh, to set the tone and the mood and everything else. So by some miracle, I got hired to speak to infusion nurses. Now, this was a 1,000, mostly women, at uh, 8 o'clock in the morning in Phoenix, Arizona, and my agent didn't help me at all. He told me that the year before they had the most renowned speaker in medicine <laughs> address the thing, so I had a tough act to follow, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and so I, I asked for guidance, and two things happened. I, I had to change planes in St. Louis to get to Phoenix, and I went into a bookstore, and the first book I picked up was a joke book, and it was a Garrison Keeler joke book. And I opened to exactly to a page with a joke that said. And read the first joke said, "What is the difference between a nurse and a nun?" And the answer was, "A nun answers to only one God." So I thought, wow. Debbie, you might get a kick out of that.
2: I, I like that one. <laughs> knowing that
1: you work for doctors.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so, <got it.
1: laughs> so I said, "How does this? How does this happen?" I just found my opening line. Uh, mm-hmm. By all by what seemed to be serendipity or synchronicity, and we both know, after all of us know, that after a while that's not true. Now, I'm sitting there, but I said, I need more. I don't know anything about infusion nursing, but I need something to be the mainstay of my lecture. So I went to the pool, and I'm just kind of hanging out, and some young lady asked me you know, how I lost my leg, et cetera, and we struck up a conversation and found out she was going to be attending the same convention. She was an infusion nurse. And i told her about my life at that point i said you know i said um i don't know how much uh you know of my life is making the transition transition to the major leap of faith which is letting go and surrendering all the things you talk about and she said to me well you know you have to trust and i said what do you mean she says well she says i have uh i've been riding horses since i've been a little girl And she says, uh, and I've been doing that, and lately I have a big old boy, she called him, a big old boy. And she says, we don't just ride around, we do jumps. And through the jump, again, we get down to the, the, the leap of faith thing. She says, when I commit to a jump, I have to commit and I have to surrender. I have to continue to believe that we can make that jump. She says, because in the past, she said, I would doubt and she said, and as soon as I doubted, the horse knew. The horse could tell that we were so connected emotionally, physically, and, and mentally that the horse would break. Even though she didn't give any physical signal for the horse to break, he would put his hand two feet forward. He refused to make the jump. And she said and she would go flying over his head and land on the ground. And she said, after a while... She learned to grab his neck if she was going by, so she didn't get hurt herself. But she said she had to learn that when she made a commitment to something, to a jump, she had to trust and she had to have zero doubt. And the way that I was able to use that in the lecture the next morning, I said, you know, when you come in, when the nurse comes into the room, the patient's not stupid. The patient is picking up on every single sig- single body language, every single eye movements every single facial expression as to what you think you know the prognosis for that patient is going to be, so that nurse really becomes the rider in in the situation with the horse and and if if the patient picks up on anything that says I don't think you're going to make it. You don't look too good. They're telegraphing that immediately to the patient. That's going to affect the outcomes, you know, as you all talk about outcomes. And so in the same way, I mean, both of you are coaches. That is the real job of the coach then, isn't it? As a healer, as an advisor, as somebody who wants to teach people how to manifest their dreams, you've got to build that that confidence and you have to look at you have to believe that there's no doubt that what you're saying will achieve the outcomes you want for your clients. So I'll That's let you guys nice. jump in on that one. Yeah
0: I'll just jump in first on this one. And and um uh, something to when I'm coaching I it's always realizing that the answer is already there for whoever is being coached. And it's the coach's job to just help reveal it, like that woman woman did for me, who revealed to me that perfect health was my birthright, and um, allayed my fear, and then bingo, I had an instantaneous healing. So the answer is always within. We just need to um, allow people to find that answer within themselves, and sometimes we get stuck, and that's why coaches are really valuable you know, people in, in our culture today to help people get unstuck. It's a very positive approach to um, counseling and solving problems and finding the answers. And I think it's a wonderful, wonderful thing that more and more people are hiring coaches and realizing that it's a good way to move ahead and find answers. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I, well, I, I totally agree. Well,
1: especially, I mean... It's, we we live in a city that has outstanding coaches namely one in particular and you can see the results of uh, you know his genius and you're right i mean when you're involved in the game of life You know, it's very hard for you to just as you know. That's why they have these coaches sitting in the uh, way up in the in the stadium and watching. You know, not only the cameras, but watching from a distance. So, because they can see what you're talking about, Rebecca. That truth, that thing that has to be told. And you know, when people are in the day to day battle of life or the game of life. Just of all of the things that you talked about, Debbie—the mindlessness, the the fear—all of these things—it's extremely difficult for them to bring themselves up by their own bootstraps.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Just um, I, as a coach, um, definitely the the client themselves is the 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 expert of their life, and as a coach. Our, my role is to be able to help them witness that and to help them, in a way, wait for the the the, the overwhelm, the confusion, the dust to settle, for them to really see their strengths and to be able to take the next best step. Now, as far as, um, I just want to touch upon quickly with what you said about the infusion nurse and how patients really look to the nurse, in a way, as the, the rider, that is very true because especially people who are suffering from any type of chronic or really life-threatening disease, they look for the caregiver for any glimmer of hope, signs, symbols, synchronicities. You know, if your nurse is wearing green that day, and you happen to be wearing green, people will say, "Oh my gosh, that's a sign. <laughs>
0: that's
2: it. It's you know, my it's, everything's going to look up. My levels are going to be great today." And, and that, and the nurse not even knowing that you know the, the the patient themselves is looking for that type of you know sign is just doing their own thing. But but yes, so any type of um, a, as a nurse or a caregiver or anybody in that role, you know, it really it's a good reminder for all of us to 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 carry ourselves in a way that is. Um, um hopeful or professional or in a space where it can you know um be uh comfortable and um positive for the client or the patient now as a coach coaching is a little is much different from the nursing because again it's you the coach seeing the client as the expert and unlike nursing or any type of um Professional healthcare type um, position. It's um, you, the coach, um, are really you're allowing the client to really delve into what's going on with them. You're not telling them what to do. It's different from consulting. A lot of people confuse c- consulting with coaching. Um, coaching more is more um, allowing the patients to hear themselves to um, help them. Um, to think about the next best step, helping them find, um, you know, decide on what the goals are for them for that moment and helping them really come to a place where they can feel empowered knowing that they have the uh, resources that's available for them to take their next best step.
1: Great. Yeah. And, um, you know, one of the questions that Rebecca and I have both had is, how did, let's talk a little bit about the, you know, the, um, the the business of coaching. How how do you find that you get your clients and how, how does that all happen?
2: Uh, right now I get it from word of mouth and what I'm doing a lot more of is a group coaching um, and that's very rewarding. It's different job dynamics than the one-to-one coaching. But right now it's word of mouth and referrals as well. Uh, I also have a uh, newsletter that I send out twice a month, and so just keeping in constant um engagement with the with the people who are on my contact list um, and also when I get invited to speak at different events, I speak about different um, different ways to have health and happiness. I call myself a health and happiness specialist, so I touch upon positivity uh positive psychology happiness. Mindful um, mindfulness, work-life balance, gratitude, random act of kindness, mm-hmm. laughter, yoga. So all these different things it puts me in the in front of people who might be needing my services. So it's it's right. just you know keeping yourself visible in in person and also in the internet.
1: And yeah, yeah, I, I you know that's one of the things that Rebecca and I go back to all the time. It's that. Uh, you know we're in a very disruptive time in in the world, and with because of technology and everything, everybody, um, you know, everything is changing. And um, I was just thinking of one industry that just totally blew up. It, it escapes me now, but whole oh um, yeah, I just had it and it flew away. Well, but whole industries are just now don't exist. Uh, well, take like, take an easy one, Blockbuster.
2: Oh yeah. You
0: know?
1: There was a company that dominated the the landscape in terms of where you would go for your DVDs and CDs, et cetera, And you know, and poof, you know, it's it's over. And you can go down case by case by case. But there's a huge emphasis now on sharing. And you know, uh, some of the uh, some of the things that I found interesting from the uh, Super Bowl ads, et cetera, Is that so many of the corporations are offering all of these inspirational uh messages obviously uh, they they're reacting to the, uh, the society which wants you know that doesn't want to see the things that they that existed before the greed the you know nobody wants to be uh tricked or swayed by advertising anymore mm-hmm. to find that there's other values that these companies do have you know values that that care about society and the individual so what you're saying is, you know, it comes by sharing your mm-hmm. your gift, by speaking, by, you know, letting people hear your message. You don't, you know, in some cases you may be paid and some not, but the important mm-hmm. thing is to get it out there. And then, you know, your business seems to follow because of that.
2: Right. Am I, I right? Exactly. Yeah, okay. you just have to keep, you just have to keep on, keep on keeping on, delivering your message. Mine is health and happiness. Whoever you know, I I, do, I did a I was invited to speak at an event for a group of uh, registrars for uh, universities in the New England area, admissions officers. This was uh, in Newport, Rhode Island, and I spoke about work-life balance. But the overlying message there is how can you have health and happiness when you're when you can have a nice work-life balance and what is balance so you know being able to go in front of people again people who could be the your potential clients and speaking it could be paid or not but keep on moving and keeping keeping yourself out there available and visible in front of those people is a good way to get your name out there and it's a good way for you to also network with other people because that's allowed me to find different ways to repurpose or to be able to share my message to different groups.
1: You know, it's as much as we do, uh, you know, there, we have these tools uh, like the YouTube and Facebook and, and Twitter, mm-hmm. et cetera, you know, <laughs> it, it, uh, it's nice to know that the old, um, you know, way of just getting in front of people, communicating, relating, connecting uh, is still a very powerful tool.
2: It's very powerful, yeah, because we're human beings. We need to be in front of other human beings. There's just so much technology or aloneness we can put up with. You know, sometimes we just need yep. to get out there and meet with nature or another person just to kind of validate that we're we're still alive. It, that, that There's nothing like that connection of being live, you know, whether you're in a sporting event or in a play or uh, ballet or... You know, going to the I don't know movies. You're there and watching the movie, but still you're around other people. So you, we need as human beings to be around other beings who are alive, and that's what it, that's well, you what know again
1: Right. Go you go back to that little town, Rosetta, in Pennsylvania, and yeah. you know, you, the, the poor, and not, being half Italian and having lived through that period of time when that was a truth, and it was so rewarding, yes. you know, and to see that evaporate, you know, I'm kind of a um you know i i'm a I'm a knight that wants to you know on a crusade to perpetuate that or bring it back or let people realize the the value of that so now if um you know i'm trying to get you know cuz rebecca had a lot of questions rebecca why don't you ask some other questions you got in your mind about coaching oh
0: about coaching um yeah well i mean i have been doing some coaching and um I know Debbie's been coaching probably more than I have at this point, Um, but it's very interesting for me to hear, you know, how she puts herself out there. I do the same thing, always looking for speaking engagements, and um, I have a few lined up in the next few months that sound pretty interesting because it is fun to connect with the people live, and I find that most fun. Um, But I know even in the coaching business now, a lot of people prefer just the telephone because they feel like it is more intimate than meeting someone in person, which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, they feel freer to talk about things that they haven't really met live in person,
2: which is kind of an interesting phenomena. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: do you do any of your work
2: that way, Debbie? Yes, I do, actually, Yeah, because a lot of my my clients are busy professionals. So, you oh. know, when we, we need to be able to work around their schedule as well. So there we don't have to worry about traffic and parking and all the other stuff, so phone works really well uh email works really well, and also Skype works really really well
1: yes, mm-hmm. you know the, one of the things here's a now and and this doesn't really take off from the spiritual aspect because you talk about gratitude, you talk about and what's- obviously closely related to gratitude is um is uh, as approval or um, appreciation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Appreciation. So how do you set your, your fees? Because, you know, I think certainly um, when somebody appreciates your service and they invest in it, uh, they get more out of it. Am I on the right track there? Yes. Yeah, so,
2: well, that's always the, the, the tricky question whenever you are providing a service. So it depends on how the provider themselves value their service. And when you can get to a point exactly. where you feel like your, val- your, your time, your experience, your expertise is valuable and it translates into an X amount of dollars and you could feel that really sits really well with you, then that becomes your truth. And when somebody – and you can put it on your website. That this is my coaching fee and, you know. And when if people were to look at your website and they look at the fee, they'll accept it. They'll either take it or leave it. But right. that's what the whole website's all about is, you know, developing your story. What's your mission and wh- who what what kind of coaching are you going to be delivering to that person? And, you know, so being – specific in what you can give to that person it might sound counterintuitive for a lot of people as far as the business model, but it does, the more specific you could um, describe what you could do or who you are, then the more peop- the more clear you will sound to the person reading your website or the more clear you will be to the person who could be your potential client. This person might say, oh, that's exactly what I need. They understand me. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh. Yes. And then then it's not a matter of, oh, I don't know if I could afford that. It's more like I I need to get on the phone or I need to really contact this person because clearly she's walked the path or she knows exactly what I need and yes, I'll make it, you know, I will do whatever I can to afford this. In some cases, you know, I'll I'll do whatever I can. Because if you can make yourself that clear uh, as a professional, then there's no, you know, there's no bartering, really. I mean, some people, some coaches Excellent. have a, some people have, um, uh, what do you call that? Um, a pay, um, like a scale, you know, sliding scale, sliding, sliding scale. Yeah, yeah, sliding scale. And the sliding scale, which is, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's good. It doesn't work for me because for me, I would feel eventually drained I would feel eventually um taken care- you know taken advantage of, and because you know i'm i'm sometimes i'm very too i'm too nice <laughs> i want to keep giving and giving and giving, and what that's going to eventually do to me is i'm going to my business will will go away because income is not coming in, you know. So for me, that type of a business model does not work. Um, For me, the other way Excellent,
1: excellent, excellent point. You know, I read that recently from a very profound spiritual teacher, and, you know, he's talking about art versus business. And you're right. I mean, in in some ways, the art gets, you know, a little... um, painted by the money, but it's essential because if you're going to be an artist and you're going to be comfortable and, 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 and appreciated, you know, then you should be rewarded greatly, and it, it, and it reflects on everything you do. So, uh, you know, kudos to you. I think that's super advice to everybody, not only, the, you know, us that are talk, trying to talk about coaching, but to everybody out there who provides any kind of service, or so even if it's at your job to have that thing of, listen, they're going to, we're really running close here. I think they're going to shut us off in about two seconds.
0: I just oh want my-